welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and we have got some weekend to review. To do so, we've brought some thumbs. It's a thumbs up, thumbs down edition of the weekend review. Here with me are Graham and Joe. Graham Ruthven, I'm going to need a non-soccer related thing that was a thumbs up moment for you from this past weekend. I'm assuming it's two thumbs up for Bobby Martinez to Portugal. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I spent my weekend grinding my teeth over Portugal's appointment, which has now been confirmed on, on Monday morning, of Roberto Martinez, my, my, my favourite international soccer manager. Clearly, Portugal saw how he completely screwed up Belgium's golden generation and caused everyone in that camp to hate each other in Qatar. And Portugal thought, some of that for us, please. So yeah, he's the, he's the new Portugal manager. Will he be bringing Thierry Henry, do you think? Will we get more Henry on the sidelines with the eyebrows? I presume so. Okay. I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a package deal at this point. Henri <laughs> and Mar- Martinez. I almost said Martinez. It's, it's, it's hardwired into me. The Britain me wants to say Roberto Martinez every single time. Yeah. I, I presume that's some sort of like, uh, like, like package deal, a Netflix mm-hmm. show yes. or something like that, that the two of them just traveling around destroying <laughs> national teams one by I, one. I just England love- next, please. I know, I know I haven't been formally introduced yet. Blah, 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 blah. Formalities, formalities, whatever. Uh, Graham, I love this. I assume I you saw this tweet. Hello. It's from Matt Siandra. Skiandra, hope, I, I said it right one of those times, I'm hoping, who said, bold move by Portugal going from at Josie Lowry's least favorite international manager to at Graham <laughs> Ruffin's favorite international manager. That brought me great joy last week when Matt sent that in. Uh, that voice you just heard is Mr. Joe Lowry. Joe, would that also be a thumbs up moment for you, Bobby Martinez, to Portugal? Big thumbs up. I am very thankful that that is not the name that U.S. soccer seems to be calling to try to get in. Maybe they did call him, but we just they don't know them. about it. Sure, they, they we, did. <laughs> we don't know what the deal is there. But we do know that U.S. soccer, at least according to reports, tried to contact Zidane Zidane and were politely told, nah, to. that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll look <laughs> other places in Zidane's camp. So, you know, at least U.S. soccer is out here doing its due diligence, I, I guess. Is that a thumbs up? I think it's a thumbs up. I think it's a thumbs up. It's a confusing time for U.S. soccer. I'm sure we'll talk about that again later in the week. Uh, for now, Joe, uh, so the Bobby Martinez news is exciting. The Zidane link was briefly exciting until it yes. was not to be. Uh, but I also understand you've got some exciting news about Backyield. Yes, I do. I'm going to stump for just a second here. So Backyield.com uh-huh. is is a website that I helped, started, helped start last year in May to cover basically all things American soccer. And we did that. We published a bunch of stuff. And now we're taking the next step, and we're, we're pretty darn excited about it. So people can now subscribe to Backheel to read and support our independent American soccer coverage, which we do believe is a, is a really big step for us. We published literally hundreds of things last year. I think it was over 300 articles from May to December about the U.S. national teams and MLS and the NWSL and, and a bunch of other stuff. We're looking forward to doing more of that this year in 2023, and we would love for folks to subscribe and to join us. We're small, we're independent, but we're committed to doing this and doing it well and to serving soccer in the U.S. We also have stickers. So if people want stickers, we have stickers. We can offer other things besides stickers, I promise. But (laughs) good soccer coverage, stickers, and and people that really love the game. That's what we're about. and, And we're excited about this next step. Joe, Joe really has done a great job with Backheeled. I'm not on commission uh, for anyone wondering. Joe, that can that can follow later. You, you can, you of can course, send, yeah. me, 
send yep. me that Venmo. Uh, you said fifteen percent, right? That's what we of said. Of course, yeah. yeah, at least actually. But there, <laughs> there has been. I've, I find myself reading loads on Backyield over the last year. Just yesterday, I was kind of wondering what was happening in MLS. I've taken my my finger off that pulse, just with it being the off season. And there's an article there on the five most interesting moves and Wilfred Nonsi going to Columbus Crew and Evander going to Portland Timbers. And so that kind of, I feel a little bit more caught up now. And I think we're maybe going to talk a little bit more MLS on the show yeah. this week. So I'll certainly be more caught up after that. But yeah, really good job by, by Joe. So if you could support him, I would encourage you to do that. He He's worth it. I, I, I just included Evander in there because I know how much Taylor likes the name. That's the only reason. That's it, not it. Portland paid like $85 million for him. That's, that's why he's in there. But also because uh, Taylor loves him. I appreciate that, Joe Lowry. I still don't understand how either one of you sleeps. I, I, I spent time with you all. You both are just constantly hustling, constantly working. Is there any free time or is it like you all like just need to recharge for like 15 minutes every evening and then you're good to go? <laughs> it's just batteries. Well, At least that's yeah, how I do it. Yeah. I spent the weekend rigging my house like Kevin McAllister and doing vigilante oh, patrols of <laughs> yeah. where I live because we had more break-ins over the weekend, so that was good. Uh, I also rat. watched Ferris, Ferris Bueller over the weekend, so uh-huh. that, that wasn't a soccer thing. I need one of those dogs that chases the school principal out of the house. That's what I need. <laughs> Graham's just casually mentioning that there's a crime spree happening in his neighborhood. <laughs> Any updates there, Graham? How is the vigilante justice going? Uh, my uh, Brooklyn Basher baseball bat arrived today. So that's fun. Yeah, hopefully that Hashtag, doesn't need to get used anytime soon. No baseball. The bat is back. The bat is back, baby. <laughs> I mean, we should make light of this, but is it really a Brooklyn Basher? Is that just that's because the name you spent time it, yeah. in Brooklyn? Is that is that what's happening here? Yeah, I mean they named it after Ryan's yeah. alter ego when we were covering yeah. the World Cup. <laughs> Brooklyn Basher. Oh boy, I'm just gonna move us on. <laughs> talk about Spain. Let's get away from everything we've been talking about. Let's talk Spain. Uh, specifically, let's start with Atletico Madrid nil, Barcelona one. Barcelona now top of La Liga, three points ahead of Real Madrid, nine ahead of Sociedad in third. Graham, were you more impressed with Barcelona in the opening 25 minutes when they went ahead, or the second half of the game when they somehow managed to keep Atleti out? I guess I was more impressed with how they started the match when they were the more proactive of the two teams. I I enjoyed how Xavi kind of retooled this Barcelona side. So he had to try something a bit different because of the suspension to Robert Lewandowski. So it was always likely to be a bit more fluid from Barca in the attack. And I guess it's a thumbs up to how he got around that problem. They basically played without a centre forward for much of this match. The the touch maps at halftime showed that Ansu was pretty much as deep as any of the midfielders in this Barcelona team. And I think that was by design because Barca had Usman Dembele high in the right side as, as the outlet. But it was all very tight and they had the control in the middle. Um, and they, they, went, they, don't, they didn't have Lewandowski as that focal point. So as I say, by design, it worked to a certain extent. Obviously, that's how they get the, the goal when the, basically there's the overload from Pedri basically taking things into his own hands. Yeah. So thumbs up to him for doing that. He, he just kind of drives at the Atletico Madrid box um, with the ball and then the overload's created. He spreads out to Gavi and then ultimately to Dembele. And I think that was that was pretty much the plan from Barcelona was to create that space for his men Dembele out on the right side. Maybe it was a little bit one-dimensional at, at times. It felt like Atletico Madrid got a grip of things as the, yeah. as the match went on, certainly after they made some changes to their team, which we can talk a little bit more about but Barcelona did what they needed to do they they saw out the game at the end a little bit of pressure from Atletico Madrid they are yeah. a better team with Lewandowski which I know is unsurprising given that Robert Lewandowski is one of the best strikers of his generation so I'll be pleased to see him back in this team but it was encouraging from a Barcelona point of view to know that they can do something else when he is, is- missing 
especially in the context of the title race, which is very real. Barcelona have a three-point edge right now. But if we're thinking about differentiating factors, I didn't, I didn't really think this performance was all that good from Barcelona. I thought they were strong early on, but they faded pretty aggressively after that. And Atletico had more and better chances in this game, even though they didn't have as much of the ball. But I, I liked how Xavi threw out a different look. Not that we haven't seen this 3-4-3 shape at other times this year, but it's a reminder of the fact that Barcelona do have, thanks to the 87 levers they pulled, some squad flexibility that isn't just playing Marcos Alonso as a left-sided center back in a back four. They come out, and Graham, you said it, right, in this in this shape with Dembele all the way wide on the right. That's been a theme this season. But they're in this 3-4-3 where it's Jules Kunde as the right center back, right back hybrid, and then it's Alex Balde uh, high and wide on the left side. And then you've got Pedri and Gavi flanking Ansu Fati, and then you have Frankie de Jong and Sergio Busquets as the midfield two. So there's your 3-4-3. Pedri and Gavi in the half spaces, the, the midfield anchors behind them, the back three, the wide presence, and then Fati as the number nine. I liked the look. It didn't really come off fully for me in this game. I didn't think Barcelona were fully coherent in that shape. But either being able to adjust and get three points without Robert Lewandowski, that deserves a thumbs up, or being able to show a different look that gets different players on the field. Because let's not forget, in that base 4-3-3 shape, you can't really get all four of those central midfielders on the field together. It's, it's really, really hard to do that unless you're going to play somebody fully out of position or, or just change the structure of that shape. This way, Xabi did get De Jong and Busquets and Gavi and Pedri on the field together, and that helps with fitness, it helps with rotation, it helps with, with managing all of that stuff headed into the last half of the season. Graham, if Pedri did what he did uh, to, to set up this goal in like FIFA the video game, uh, it's the type of thing that would have had me like smash a controller for being like, ah, oh, the game's <laughs> glitching. Like, why is everyone running away from him? Graham, with that in mind, how angry do you think Diego Simeone was with that defending? Because suddenly oh. there was sort of a, uh, a parting of the seas, a pretty large gap for Pedri to attack. Oh, absolutely furious. Even more furious than, than normal for Diego <laughs> Simeone. And that, that has been a common theme with this Atletico Madrid team. You look at the best Atleti teams under Simeone, they obviously have that defensive basis. They Not even just in terms of their tactical setup, but their spirit and how they dive into tackles. And, and I don't really get that sense from this Atletico Madrid team. That has been the case for a couple of years. And even when they won the Spanish title a couple of seasons ago, it didn't feel like they had that basis. It felt like Simeone had kind of gone a little bit more expansive in, in, in the way he set up this team. So, yes, he, he would be absolutely furious. But to be honest, but at this point, he should be used to those sort of defensive lapses from Atletico Madrid. I mean, it was brilliant from, from Pedri as well. We shouldn't downplay how, how good it was. And I couldn't, help by, uh, I couldn't help contrasting that sort of action from him and how we didn't really see anything like that from him at the World Cup for Spain, as good as, good as he was in possession. I think under Luis Enrique, there was more of a fear of, of giving the ball away. There was an instance in Qatar where Aymeric Laporte actually apologised to Lucho for playing a successful long pass. It was, it was a completed pass, and he actually holds up his hand to Lucho on, on, on the sidelines because clearly he didn't want that sort of thing. So in that sort of environment, you don't have Pedri driving at opponents and, and, and dribbling. And obviously, Javi also likes this Barcelona team to keep hold of possession. There's a lot of overlap between the two the two approaches. But it does feel like Javi maybe has a healthier balance where players like Pedri are still emboldened to try and, and, and take players on. Obviously, we see it with Dembele all the time. Um, Messi didn't play under Xavi, but Barcelona have a history of emboldening players like that. So I think this is, I think Barcelona Pedri is the best version of Pedri over the Spain version. And, and we saw that in this game. 
Uh, we also saw Atleti fail to score, not look as competent in the attack, at least in the first half. Uh, mm-hmm. And, John, I'm going to assume that, again, Diego Simeone not thrilled with this one. I felt like this was Bar- Barcelona doing some smart things because there's Jao Felix up top, because there's Antoine Griezmann up top. I felt like they front and followed Felix really well, and they tracked mm-hmm. Griezmann uh, especially well, so that they never really had that much time. They never really had that much ability to combine or get that much going, at least in the first half. Uh that that sort of partnership, I think, can be explosive, Griezmann and Felix, but uh, I'm not sure it can be explosive and functional at the same time with this Atleti team. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't on paper. I don't love the combination of those players. And, and mm-hmm. like I said earlier, though, I thought Atleti were at times the better team in this game. I think they're a little hard done by. They created more. I, I think a lot of stuff worked. A lot of it, though, just doesn't feel good because they lose this game. And this is a massive game for Atleti, who are fifth in the table, and they're, what, 14 points back of Barcelona? Like, their their title challenge, if there ever was one, is is pretty much over at this point. So, in terms of a long-term solution, or even in terms of something that maybe gets you back into something this season, up into the Champions League spots, which I expect Atleti will get to, you know, maybe Griezmann and Felix is not the front two you're looking for, because Felix doesn't seem to be in any sort of short, medium, or long-term plans for Diego Simeone right now. And profile-wise, as Graham is keen to point out, he's not a a, a back-to-goal number nine, right? He's somebody who's going to drop in and create and play make. He's much more of a number 10 than he is a striker, as is Antoine Griezmann. That's that's kind of why he didn't work at Barcelona, because they didn't really need him to do that role. So he comes back to Atleti, and he can be very good in that job. We saw that with France at the World Cup. He can be elite at that stuff. But Something about the balance there and the other personnel for Atleti combined with them having to fight back for a goal, which is not really in their DNA, it just it just wasn't their day. And so I guess a thumbs down, but maybe a thumbs like angled halfway down, 45 degrees down, because I do think there was some nice stuff from Atleti in this match. Yeah. It just didn't come off. After the World Cup, and I think I spoke about this while the tournament was, was happening, my, my hope was that Simeone would have seen some of that tournament <laughs> um, and seen how Griezmann was a, a revelation for France and how well Felix played for, for Portugal and the positions that those two players were, were playing in and how that differs to where they'd been playing for Atletico Madrid. I'd hope that he would do something with that information. But on the basis of this match, it doesn't really seem like he's 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 learned anything. There, there were just large periods of the match where Felix and, and Griezmann weren't on the ball at all, particularly, particularly in, the, in, the, in the first half. Griezmann, because this is what he what he is like as a player, he does a good job of, of pressing and closing down. Um, so there's still that element, that side of his game in this match. But we saw at the World Cup just how good he is at breaking the lines in, in possession. Yeah. And Atleti don't get any of that from, from Griezmann. And they get even less out of Yao Felix, who just needs to get out of, out of that club. I'm not convinced that they can play Felix and Griezmann in, in the same team because I would have them deeper as part of that midfield three as as we saw at the World Cup. I know Felix had, maybe has a little bit more freedom to go, slightly more uh, attacking and more central. But nonetheless, I, I, it doesn't seem like there's any chemistry between the two of them. And it wasn't until Simeone got an actual focal point on the pitch in the form of Alvaro Morata that Atleti started to pose any sort of threat. And um, that was combined with... Griezmann kind of being pushed out to the left side, so that's maybe where he's a little bit more effective than in this false nine. I don't even know what I'd describe his position. Just anonymous, to be honest, on on the ball for Atleti when he's played through the middle like that. So Atletico Madrid actually have a really strong group of forwards, but Simeone just continues to mismanage them really, really badly. Uh, well, Barcelona having a slightly better time of things than Atleti with that 1-0 win. Uh, we're going to get back to talk about Real Madrid's loss in just a second. First, let's take a break, then we'll get back with some more La Liga. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Welcome back. As I said in the intro, Barca three points ahead of Real Madrid, who suffered a 2-1 to loss to Villarreal, specifically a Villarreal team with whom Joe is now in like. Joe, it's not quite yet love, as I understand it, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we're still feeling things out. We're texting. We're calling a little. It's Actually, it's more FaceTimes, late night FaceTimes than anything else. But, you know, we're, we're doing the classic steps that you have now in modern relationships. I mean, no, really, this, this love started last year. Let's not forget, in the Champions League. As they made that run, now the oh, managers mistake. are different. Yeah, I forget now, it's right? been that long. It's I know, doesn't it? It feels wow, like forever. Okay. It feels Enduring. like forever that that, that that started. But it went from Unai Emery, who I thought did wonders with them last year, to Kike Setien, who I, I kind of forgot existed, to be entirely honest. <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's um, a passionate now, love affair right there. It is. It is. We're getting there. <laughs> uh, now it's Kike Setien. And this team was just fun, right? They have a lot of the same identity that we saw in the Champions League last year. But then they were also, you know, more pragmatic in the league. They didn't have, or they, they're more pragmatic, excuse me, at, at times based on the competition and based on the opponent. 
This year, they're that as well, but they're just fun to watch. The, the collection of players that beats Real Madrid gets a hearty thumbs up for me in this match. Danny Parejo is in midfield, and he is just so fun to watch as, a, as sort of a number six who can also burst forward. He's key, I believe, for their first goal in this game, stepping up in midfield. I mean, there's just so much good stuff with this team. There's so much fun to watch. Thumbs down to Real Madrid, yeah. who lose an important game. Every single match for them as they're in this title race with Barcelona is critical. And they were level on points coming into this weekend. They lose this week. Barcelona win. Barcelona now three points up. Uh, Villarreal's first goal in this match comes in the 47th minute. It's a mistake from Real Madrid in their buildup. And, and Villarreal pounce on it and score like two or three passes later. It's a great counterattacking sequence. But... It is poor from Real Madrid, and those are the moments that can come back and, and really kill you. Benzema gets a penalty back, and it's a weekend, so Benzema scored. Taylor, as you said last week, you're so right about that. And then Villarreal get a penalty of their own after a David Alaba handball. Just mistakes really hurt Madrid in this game. The fact that Villarreal is no pushover. They are high up the table this year. I just lost the table on my phone. Here we go. They're sixth. So they're still in European places right now. They're going to make a push, and I, I really wouldn't bet against Villarreal ending up sort of either where they are now or higher, but I don't expect them to fall. We got a title race, Joe. I, I did not yeah. necessarily see this coming. It felt like for a while maybe this is going to be Real Madrid season to kind of run away with it. But instead, three points is all that separates. We might get one. Yeah, my my both of my thumbs. And can I do my big toes up as well? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do all four. All four are up for just the title race and general chaos that we're seeing in Real Madrid and, and in La Liga right now. So Barcelona got La Hoste last weekend and drew with Espanyol. Now Madrid come in and lose to Villarreal. And now it sounds like, according to reports, I love how this is reported on. It's not Lajos coming out and saying it himself. He's big enough that somebody has to report this stuff and leak it. It sounds like this is Matthew Lajos' final season. And thank you to the Discord. I know. I I hope it's not. My fingers are crossed that it's not. Thank you to the Discord who was kind enough to put this to my attention, to to, to bring this to my attention and to offer their condolences. I appreciate all of that. (laughs) But if this is well and truly his final season. Oh, hey, Joe. uh, Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted you to know uh, for expressing premature condolences, you were just yellow carded by Matthew Lajas. Just so you know. Perfect. That is how he operates. Bring it, Matthew. Uh, Red me. Do it. As I walk (laughs) off the field, I'm going to yell and scream. But I mean, if this is his final season. This is how it has to go. It has to be a chaotic title race. It has to be all these other chaotic <laughs> elements sprinkled in along the way. This La Liga season and Matthew Lajas' refereeing career cannot end another way. <laughs> well said. Well, if he does need more chaos, we can just send him on over to England. Uh, we had an FA Cup weekend in England. Uh, Manchester United make Frank Lampard's unpleasant situation in Everton even less pleasant, with United getting a 3-0 win on Friday. Championship clubs got themselves some wins, with Burnley eliminating Bournemouth, Blackpool besting Nottingham Forest and Sheffield Wednesday, getting past Newcastle. Graham, can you take us through some of your favorite or more notable results from this weekend in the FA Cup? Yeah, so thumbs up to another FA Cup third round weekend that, as you say, produced a, a number of classic upset, upsets. I, I have to say, personally, my interest wanes a little bit as a neutral when, when it's FA Cup weekend. I love match of the day on FA Cup weekend. It's all condensed. It is you know, a shot in the arm of the magic of the cup. Watching the games live, I have to say they're uh, kind of I, I kind of passed on on a couple of them, but nonetheless, I I enjoy the news headlines from FA Cup weekends. Um, so maybe the biggest one was at Villa Park, where League Two Stevenage scored two goals in two minutes late on to beat Aston Villa two one. And if you're going to to pull off an upset, 
that is how you do it. And 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 to be honest, Aston Villa watching the highlights of this game, I didn't watch it live because Chelsea uh, City was on at the same time. But Villa, it seemed like they got what they deserved. Um, they should have killed the game earlier and Stevenage grew into it. As a Scot, really weird to see all these Scottish players playing for Stevenage or players who played in our league that I had completely forgotten about. Dean Campbell's on loan. He's the player who scores the winner. He's on loan from uh, from Aberdeen, so that, that was a little bit strange. Then you had you, you referenced it quickly, Sheffield Wednesday beating Newcastle United. I'm not sure how bothered Newcastle United were about the FA Cup, given what they've got going on in the league. And, and, and that's the thing about the FA Cup. Sometimes you get the sense that some of the bigger teams, or not even the bigger teams, the teams that have more to focus on in the league, whether that's a relegation battle or going for a top four um, place, maybe they're not all that bothered about the competition. I think maybe Newcastle United were, were, were in in that category. But nonetheless, they, they were pretty poor against Sheffield Wednesday. They lost 2-1. They looked pretty defensively vulnerable. Josh Windass, I don't know what's happened while well, the players who went to England from Scotland, Josh Windass played for Rangers, scored two goals, turned into Kylian Mbappe in this game. Um, there were, to be sincere about it for, the moment, for a moment, there were some really worrying reports after this match of poor stewarding and fears of crushing among, among the Liverpool f- fans at the Leppings Lane end of Hillsborough which I'm, I'm sure I, I don't need to go into too much depth to explain yeah. why that's so that's so triggering. So hopefully we don't ever see anything like that again. I know some Newcastle United fans were, were very concerned about that situation. But looking at the football, Wednesday de- deserved their win. And then we have to mention America's favourite team that isn't Fulham, Leeds United. It looked like they were going out of the cup for 93 minutes on, on Saturday. They were 2-0 down against Cardiff, who were kind of tearing them apart in, in the first half. And then it was a 93rd minute equaliser from Leeds United to secure a replay in that game. No Tyler Adams for Leeds United in this in this match. And you could tell because Leeds were just far too open through the middle. And that, and that is what happens when you, you rest uh, Tyler Adams. This is what you get. Graham, uh, America's favourite team that isn't Fulham or Leeds. Sounds like it t- could be a tagline for the next season of Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, how was, how <laughs> oh, yeah. was their weekend? Oh, yeah. Wow. So thumbs up to Robin Ryan getting an easy episode for season two <laughs> of Welcome to Wrexham because this was a wild match. So Wrexham, who are, are still in the National League, uh, sorry for any spoilers there for, for people who haven't watched season one, but this is real life, people. I don't know if they count as spoilers, but they went away to Coven- Coventry City of the Championship. And they won 4-3, which is quite an incredible result. They were 4-1 up in this match, and it looked like it, it was going to be a thumping of, of Coventry City. They did make things a little bit difficult for themselves by being pegged back to 4-3, but they uh, they got over the line, and I look forward to hearing the, the grumpy pub owner's thoughts on this match on, on Hulu later this year. Uh, Graham, before we get to the big results from this FA Cup, I would say, uh, I, I do think we should do some thumbs down. We should do some naming and shaming. Uh, what, what was the, what was the match that made you like, especially think maybe I don't need to watch that one. Was it, was it Darby Barnsley or was there another contender? Uh, so Tottenham Portsmouth on Saturday afternoon, <sighs> I wasn't aware that had happened until I went through the results and that was a TV game as well. So that really did not <laughs> register on my radar at all. Yeah, I've, I've got a strange re- um, relationship with the FA Cup. If it's, if it's Sterling Albion in the Scottish Cup and we get a draw against a bigger team, I mean, I was giving you updates in, Brook- in Brooklyn yeah. of us against Inverness. So as a fan, I love it. I can understand why lower league teams, it means so much to them. But as a neutral and evaluating it as a TV event, a live TV event, I don't know. It doesn't really register with so, me until the latter rounds. 
So what I'm hearing is that Graham just wants to watch like the Super League or something equivalent to that. No bad teams, all high quality games. Is that, <laughs> on TikTok, is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, on, t- on TikTok yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say the, the big result I alluded to earlier would be Manchester City 4, Chelsea nil. Joe, if the question were how good is Manchester City without Holland, De Bruyne, Gundogan, <laughs> Stones, Ake, <laughs> and Aderson, it seems the answer is still pretty, pretty good. Yeah, the answer is just yes. So thumbs up to Man City for how crazy deep they are. This this is one of those other things that maybe I forgot slightly during the World Cup, especially because the big storyline, it was and still is, Arsenal's title challenge in England. That is the predominant on-field storyline, and it should be, right? Because Arsenal are still ahead in the Premier League table, and that is something that I certainly didn't expect coming into this year. But still, I mean, up up to Man City, up to Riyad Mahrez, who is one of the members of that sort of depth squad. He's been a spot starter depth for Pep squad. this year. He scored three goals in two games against Chelsea this week. So City beat Chelsea in the Premier League earlier this week, or I guess last week now it would be. And then they beat them 4-0 in the FA Cup on the weekend. And Riyad Mahrez is sitting there with three goals. Uh, just some some lovely moments from him. He has a penalty in this game in the FA Cup. He also scores that first one's a free kick, if I'm remembering correctly. I have the three yep. goals now confused in my head. But it's a lovely free kick with, with his left foot. I mean, he was brilliant, I thought, over these two games. And City in general, just really, really, really good. Chelsea, thumbs down to them because they are in a bit of a death spiral right now. Can't get results in the league. Can't get results in the cup. Graham Potter is in a very difficult situation. You have Pep Guardiola after matches, you know, giving a comment and saying, you know, if, if I could tell anything to Todd Bowley, I would say give him time. Graham Potter is going to be saying the same thing because I can understand people talking about bringing out the sack for Graham Potter right now because of how bad the results have been. I don't know that I have a hard and fast opinion on what Chelsea should do, but I have a hard and fast opinion on how good City are right now. And the answer is just yes, they are really, really, really good. Did did Guardiola do that thing? Whenever Guardiola is asked about a player who is in poor form or a manager who is maybe looks like he might get the sack... He does that thing of going way too far in his praise, where They're he'll the be best like, Graham, ever. "Graham Potter is the best manager <laughs> in the history of soccer." Like he, he does that all the time. But with the low, like the low rumble as well, they like Graham Potter is the best manager we've ever seen. Like it's a very, it's a very eye, like unbroken oh. eye contact sort of endorsement. Yeah. It, it was like when he was asked about Calvin Phillips and his and his weight, and he was like, "Calvin Calvin Phillips is the sexiest man alive." <laughs> okay, Pep. Pep doesn't know how to just like split the middle. He he can only go to one side or to the other. <laughs> It's all about absolutes. Um, oh. So Pep was was maybe still inclined to sing Potter's praises, Graham. Uh, the Chelsea faithful less so. We had some oh, singing yeah. for Tuchel. We had some singing for Abramovich, according to reports. <laughs> Seems like things aren't great uh, with Chelsea right now. No, they are in a they are in a difficult position right now, and it's thumbs down to. Let's start off with Graham Potter, who I I am starting to get a little bit worried about because this is this is not going well. They've Chelsea have won just one of their last seven matches. That decent start that they had under Potter, which is another thing that ju- just confuses me even further, was the part you would expect to be most difficult seemed to go easiest for 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 Potter at Chelsea, which is his first few matches where he's thrown in and he has about four games in in the space of two weeks. Chelsea won, I think, three of those games and drew one, and that seems like a long time ago. Now he he is struggling for answers. This is a this is a serious slump that Chelsea are in. At the moment, you can feel the exasperation coming through him. There's a moment where Kai Havertz for the penalty kick, the, the Man City penalty kick, where essentially Kai Havertz, for no no real reason, punches, Superman yeah. punches the, the ball away and 
Potter is watching that on the screen he has on the, on on the bench, and without saying exactly what he says, it's he. You can see him mouth mm, me, um, and kind of turning away in exasperation at basically his players making stupid decisions and doing silly things, and there was a lot of that yeah. in this match. For Chelsea, they are nowhere near Man City's level, which which you might think, of course, of course they're not. But loads of people thought Chelsea would be at that level last season. Remember the whole Lukaku is the final piece of the puzzle argument. They won the Champions League by beating City in in a final a, a, a season and a half ago. And I think the problem, Potter, you can't clearly just pin everything on Potter. I think injuries haven't helped, and Pulisic yeah. is the latest player sidelined for Chelsea at, at, at the moment. I think some of Potter's decisions have been a little bit scrambled. He changes from a back four to a back three in this match. Chelsea finished this game with a front three of um, Datro Fofana, who's a player Chelsea have only just signed. I'm not particularly familiar with him. Omari Hutchinson and uh, Chukwumeka, who they signed from uh, Aston Villa. You can tell all those players that I am very familiar with with all those guys, which for Chelsea to have that front line is is quite astonishing in a game away to Man City and maybe using the kids as the way to go in the long term. But it, it really feels like Potter is scram- scrambling, scrambling around for solutions right now. But the bigger issue is this: this club has no idea what it wants to be at this moment. There's so much happening at Chelsea. They've got a new manager and uh, they're signing a new defence in the summer and loads of young players and then they're going for Enzo Fernandez, and all of a sudden they're going for Mudrik and, and Cuckoo is coming in, in the summer and it just feels like they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall in the hope that something will stick and Potter has found himself in the middle of, of all of this. So while some of his decisions I don't think have been perfect, injuries are a factor, I think Chelsea have a bit of an identity crisis at the moment. That's, that's the real story with Chelsea. Speaking of identities, Graham, when you get together with Graham Potter at the international Graham meetings that you all sure. attend, where obviously rule number one is pronounce the name properly, uh, uh-huh. do, do you pick him up? Like, are you trying to cheer him up, or is it more of a you are doing a disservice to our name? Uh, get better. <laughs> the latter feels okay, that's what I felt like more, it was more appropriate. Be. Yeah, <laughs> come on, Graham, you're shaming all Grahams, and then Stephen Graham, the actor alongside me, is weighing in. Get your act together, Graham Lasso. Yeah, come on, Graham Potter. <laughs> I'm glad I've taken this down this road. Uh, this game was pretty revealing to me, and obviously there are so, like as I as I said, there's there's plenty of players rested. There's a lot of rotation in this one, but still, just how good Manchester City looked in so many different ways. They looked comfortable on the ball in one v one matchups. They looked really good with off the ball runs to to find little bits of space. Even you mentioned him earlier uh for Spain, uh Graham, but Imerk Laporte in this one has a couple different balls over the top where he kind of carries it forward and then has little chip balls in behind or into gaps and and I think just the the variety of the way City are able to attack even without some of their star players was yeah. especially impressive to me. Yeah, and you can see a well-coached team there. I, I I should also mention just the the players, and Joe kind of referenced this, but the players that City are able to rotate into yeah. their team is ridiculous. I mean, Julian Alvarez is the rotation yeah. option for Manchester City. Calvin Phillips, who I know there's been some debate around his fitness and so on, but nonetheless, he's the sexiest he man in the world. He's the sexiest man in the world. Sexiest man in the world. Yeah, yep. and England international Calvin Phillips. So to bring him into that midfield is is not a massive massive drop off. Um, who else comes into this midfield? Uh, I can't quite remember, but the, the city, the city 
squad at the moment is just ridiculously deep. And you, you compare that to Chelsea at the moment playing all, the, all those kids and all those names that I mentioned that I could I pronounce very badly. And then youngsters like Lewis Hall at, at, at left back at the moment. And part of that is down to injuries. Part of that is just down to poor squad construction at Stamford Bridge at the moment. It really does feel like they need to straighten things out. Yeah. And I don't think it, it's until that happens that we can judge Potter. I'm not about to revise everything that we said about Graham Potter earlier in the season. He is a very good coach. I think if he gets the right tools and he's given time, he will turn things things around at Chelsea. But I have less faith in Todd Bowley, frankly, than I do in Graham Potter. So I don't mm. think it's a guarantee that this, this ends well for him at, at, at Chelsea. And that's why I say I'm a little bit worried about him, particularly while... Luis Enrique is sitting there without a job, itching to get back into club football, and that feels like it might actually be a good fit for this Chelsea team, and they've had interest in the past, so I I am concerned for him. I think that's fair. I think watching this game, it was just uh, a night and day, especially with the the second and third goals for City, because that third goal, I think it's 18 passes, it's after pressing and winning the ball off of Kovacic, he's trying to carry it out, but there's... Like uh, a really, there's really good like movement of the ball to try to probe for space. Then Kyle Walker has a really nice run in between the lines. It's like a 40 yard sprint. He cuts it back for Foden. It's a lovely goal. Is this the third goal? Yeah, yeah. And the then, most Pep Guardiola goal yes. goal of all time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then just contrasting that with the one you mentioned earlier, Graham, the, the penalty where just Kai Havertz like handball. I punch ball away. That that legal? Like it, <laughs> it was a a telling difference in, in the quality or the alertness of, of these two teams in this game. So. Uh, Thumbs up to Man City. Uh, I don't know. Com- commiserative thumbs down to Chelsea. We'll, we'll see how things play out. Uh, we will also take a quick break, get back with the rest of the FA Cup uh, and a few more games, including a potential, a potential uh, happy, happy, happy season in Italy. We'll see how that goes in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. Just kidding. Very much just kidding. Because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show. And I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the the the, uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic. And they, all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy, and they're going to make it feel like you're connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Welcome back. One more game to discuss from the FA Cup. Liverpool 2, Wolves 2. Darwin Nunez scoring goals. Joe Lowry. It's, it's, it's happening. It's really happening. 
You know, I I can't believe it's happened. It's almost like he scored nine goals already this season, and this was his. That's not the narrative, goal. Joe. Yeah. So this is this is a funny bit right here in all of this, right? So Darwin Nunez has been missing a bunch of chances. He's missed a lot of moments this season. I I joked about one that he hits off the post last week, which I'm so glad he did because that brought us one of the one of the greatest own goals that my eyes have ever seen against Leicester. Darwin Nunez hasn't been coming up big in every moment, but. I, I do think the narrative is a little bit overblown about Darwin Nunez not being able to find the back of the net. He had nine goals in all competitions coming into this game, which is an extremely respectable tally for halfway through the season. It puts you basically on pace for 20, if not more than 20, given all the different competitions Liverpool are in by the end of the year. I think if you offer Liverpool fans 20-plus goals from Darwin Nunez this year, they'll take it every single time. Just We like to complain about stuff, so nobody's happy with how you get there. But you're right, Graham. It's not the narrative Darwin Nunez needs to be better. That he he's bad at. I can't. I can't do this. Graham, rescue me. <laughs> I mean, he's good. I like him. Uh, <laughs> so when when I'm criticizing him, it's it's largely in jest. But yeah, the, the I think it's just because the two matches that he played against, I can't even remember who who they were against. But the two matches he played after the World Cup, I think his expected goals value was something like three point five. It was it was the the highest of any player in the Premier League for those two games. And for him not to score in those two games was was quite remarkable. Um, sure. There were a couple of really good opportunities in there. So I think that's why you had the narrative, just because it's almost like a, a, the season has started all over again. And you think about how at the start of the season, narratives build very quickly. We've kind of had two of those of those windows this season. And I think that's what happened with Dar- Darwin Nunes. But thumbs up to this particular finish which was fantastic. So the diagonal ball was played over the top by, I think it's Alexander Arnold. It seems like a very um, TAA ball for him to play. No, but it's he's straight into too. the run of. He's bad too, don't forget. Of so, course, yeah. yeah. Everyone's bad, yeah. yeah. All, all the all the players you think are good are actually bad. That's right. It's, uh, it's the upside down. Unless they're named Graham. It's, it, yep. it's, a, it's a great ball by Alexander Arnold. Straight into the run of Nunez. He doesn't need to break his stride. And then he kind of guides it back across goal on, on, on the volley. It might have come off his shin, but we, most, we won't mention that. It, it was a nice finish. And um, once again, he was, he was a nuisance to the opposition. He gets in behind. I think Liverpool are a more dangerous team when he's involved. It was a front three from Liverpool of Gakpo on the left. And then you had Salah and, 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 and Nunez. But Gakpo was dropping deep into the midfield to drop the ball forward as we expected he might. So it was a front two for much of the match, which isn't much of a departure from what Liverpool had been doing before Gakpo signing. And it very much felt like he was he was eased into this team in this match. I think we'll see more of a an overt influence from him in, in, in matches going forward. But yeah, Nunes, I'm, I'm a fan of Nunes. And, and we spoke about Darwin Nunes-Taylor the worst case scenario is that he's Alvaro Morata, and the best case scenario is that he's Edison Cavani, and he was more like the the latter in in this match. So we did have uh, some narrative in this one. Nunez scores, Gakpo eased in, uh, goalkeepers not doing well, off sidelines continuing to be confusing. Graham, <laughs> wow, well, yeah. So thumbs down to whoever installed the VAR cameras at Anfield for this match um because yeah. why would you need to why would you need to see the whole pitch it's just you, un, unre- unreasonably high expectations can you explain what happened for people who didn't see this one because it's 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 a weird one it's an odd one we get one of these every couple of years where it's like what what about that guy it's like oh yeah we just didn't count him don't worry about him <laughs> yeah. yeah so 
Basically, Wolves, it's 2-2, Wolves have a corner, the corner is partially cleared back to, I believe, the, the taker of the original corner, the ball goes back in, it bounces around a bit, and then and then Totti, not that one, another Totti, finishes from, from close range for, for Wolves. When the second ball comes in, Totti is clearly onside, so very quickly there's an element of confusion there, because the TV pictures are, are freezing that moment, he's about three yards onside, so clearly that's not the issue, and then basically... It emerged that the Wolves' goal didn't count because they didn't have the VAR angle to see where the the the, the corner kick taker was by the time the ball came, comes out to him. So there's a Wolves touch when it comes out to him. So basically the linesman adjudged that the taker of the corner kick was the person who was offside, but there was no VAR angle to to validate that. And Julian Lopetegui loses his mind in this match because Wolves have a tactical camera in 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 this in this match that's very common for premier league teams to install their own cameras they then use the data or sorry not the data the the footage to analyze after the game and so wolves camera did apparently catch i've seen a picture of it um it did catch this angle and he was onside you can quite clearly see that the penalty kick taker eh, sorry not the penalty kick taker the corner kick taker is onside when the ball comes back to him so wolves winner at anfield should have counted. It was the it was the ghost goal at Anfield. It's just quite remarkable that at this sort of level, Liverpool, one of the biggest clubs in the world, these are two Premier League teams. I know it's not the FA Cup, but nonetheless, Magic to have a pitch not covered by VAR cameras is insane. Uh, it's the magic, Graham. It's the magic of the cup. You got to have that the drama magic of in the there. Uh, any any other notes from this one before we move to the continent? Just that Matthias Nunes was very good in central midfield for for Liverpool, so thumbs up to him. Liverpool have been linked with him. Apparently, he might be going in the summer. He was everything that Liverpool need in central midfield, driving the ball forward. He completed as, as many take-ons as every other Liverpool player combined, so he's a very good player. I'm, I'm excited to see how, Lop- how Lopetegui gets more of him for the rest of the season, but looking long-term, it feels like his future might be at Liverpool, and they clearly or surely liked what they saw from him in this game. We have talked about them needing some resupply in the midfield. Maybe it will be he. Maybe it will be he, uh, but hopefully nobody takes anybody away from uh, Napoli so that they can continue their title dream. Graham, it's possible. Let us all rejoice. Seven points ahead of (laughs) Juventus and Milan. Dare we dream that this could be a reality? I mean, I was already dreaming. Now I'm at, now I'm in a, in a deep dream. So Napoli are, are are back to being seven points clear at the top of the of uh, the Serie A table. For 85 minutes of this match between AC Milan and Roma on Sunday night, it felt like that was not going to happen because AC Milan had a, had a two 0 lead. They were cruising to up to a certain point, and then Roma somehow managed to score twice, and Tammy Abraham snatches the the two two draw in, in stoppage time. And that is fantastic news for Napoli, who, are, who as, as I say, are back to being seven points clear. And Juventus, who are somehow, amazingly, up to second place in, in the Serie A table. They have been on a winning run, run kind of under the radar a little bit. I'm not sure we have talked about what has, what has changed for them. Maybe we will do that next weekend review because it is Napoli-Juventus on Friday night. And that is, that is a huge match in the Scudetto race. But yeah, it felt like AC Milan kind of threw this one away. They are still very much in the title race, but seven points is is back to being a a pretty big gap between them and Napoli. Joe, if the answer to what have you been doing correctly was play Weston McKinney on the wing, are you inclined to agree or disagree with that idea? 
ah, uh, I just hate that reality. I just don't like this reality that we're living in where Weston McKinney does play on the wing. I'm not fully convinced that a lot of things have changed at Juventus. I still think there are massive issues with their squad. I think, obviously, they have been getting results recently, and so there is something to be said for that. But I still just don't love this team, and I, I, I'm not sure that they'll be able to hang. I could be totally wrong, and we'll replay this clip come May or June, whenever the season ends, and I'll, I'll sound silly. But I do know one thing for sure, and that's that I'm giving a hearty thumbs down to Max Allegri for using Weston McKenney on the wing in this game. You know, it, it's happened before, right? And I've been okay with it for a while leading up to the World Cup. You know, he's versatile. He's getting on the field. There's all of those reasons to at least appreciate that he's playing for a club like Juve, Weston McKennie. But I'm just ready for something different for him. I wonder if Weston McKennie is ready for something different. There are reports that both Aston Villa and Bournemouth are readying offers for Weston McKennie. Uh, Bruce Dortmund as well appears to be interested. The last report that I read, I don't, how, yeah, I don't know how accurate this is, says that McKennie would prefer Dortmund. So maybe he's he's gone from Schalke to Dortmund in a roundabout way. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if he'll move in January, but... I just want to see him play as a central midfielder. He's the most fun to watch there. Not that he's a perfect player, but I'm just ready to see Weston McKinney have more fun on the soccer field. And based off of what I saw from this game from Juve, despite the 1-0 win and the chances they created, I don't think anybody was having fun for Juventus over the weekend because it was an ugly game. For some reason, I tend to find validity to transfer rumors when there is that strange disparity in club's length because, like... Dortmund, Villa, and Bournemouth are it's 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 a range. There's a range there, is what I'm saying. But whenever it's like like AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juve are all interested, it's like okay, so somebody in Italy said there was an appeal. Like like I think sometimes when they all feel a little bit uh, same same, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm inclined to believe it as much as when there is a, a a seemingly random collection of clubs in for a player. Because basically you're thinking, well, no one would ever come up with that. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's too odd. That's so too random. Odd. <laughs> uh, I, I imagine going to Bournemouth would be a strange one uh, from Juve to Bournemouth. But, you know, stranger things have happened and not trying to take shots there. Uh, Rafael Leal. Bournemouth is the, is the Turin of, of the south of England. <laughs> of, course, heard that. of course it is. That's what I've always heard. Uh, Rafael Leal is still in Milan for the time being, uh, involved in that 2-2 draw with Roma. Uh, Graham, where should Leal go next so that we can all enjoy him? And why is the answer uh, Sterling Albion? <laughs> well, is he getting in the team ahead of Kai Fotheringham? Who's not staying? He's oh, staying Graham, by the end of the you, season. You, you, this isn't even in the running order. You want to do like a tight five minutes on Kai Fotheringham staying and why that means something to you? Of course I do. It's Kai I'll Fotheringham. Just, just tell me when you're done. <laughs> Kai Fotheringham is clearly a player. I've spoken about him in the pod, so I'll oh, keep have this you? short. Basically, yeah, he's been our best player this season. He was leaving. Uh, his six-month loan deal was up uh, from Dundee United, and then very unexpectedly on Friday, he has signed on until the end of the season. So... I'll take Rafael Leao as a depth option for for the <laughs> Scottish Cup when we can rotate that team. But yeah, he's he's not getting in, in ahead of uh, Fotheringham right Graham, now. Graham says, unsurprisingly, the loan, you know, he's brought back as if Graham didn't kidnap every single coach and scout that was there to look at him at the <laughs> Sterling Albion game last weekend. Graham, I mean, come on, you told us you were sitting right next to those people. What, what do sure. you want us to think? What are we supposed to think here? It's obvious. Yeah, the sinister whispering campaign worked, yep. Taylor. <laughs> it Clearly. Did. It did. He's got. He's problematic in the locker room. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he prefers pro evil over FIFA. Oh, that unacceptable. Uh, <laughs> what, what was Grant? Sincerely, like, what was the reaction? Was Was it just a like a quiet fist bump, or was there some cheering happening when he uh, when he oh, no. renewed? So it was my friend that messaged me to to say that it happened, and yeah, there was some there was some 
fist pumping going on. But then that the match on Saturday fake. was that sounds fake. That sounds Grim, like Grim's happen. tweet. Grim's tweet was all caps. It was something like just yes in all caps with a bunch of s's. So I kind of believe, I believe it. it was oh my gods maybe twenty times in a row or something that could like be that. It. That could be it. Whereas Graham's tweet when his daughter was born was just, there is a child, period. That's it. <laughs> All lowercase for that one. Uh, since yeah. we've moved into the personal section of this show, uh, Joe, have you got some thumbs for Georgie Mihailovic? Yeah, th- I thought you were going to toss me something on Phoenix Rising. And I was like, I'm not fully up to date on their offseason moves at this point, so I don't have a lot to add. But I mean, yes, George Mihailovic, I feel like I feel like you stand a legend. You, you've, you've, been, uh, yeah. you've, you've been a fan. You've been a supporter for some time. Yeah, I like Georgie, and I, I think he did some decent things this weekend. I do have my thumbs up for him, less for what he did on the field for Azed in their 1-1 draw with Vitesse, but more for the fact that he was on the field in the first place. So this was Azed's first Eredivisie game back after the break, I believe. So you know, I, I think this is something of a sign that Georgie's coming in right from the jump. He's starting. He didn't play the full match, but he played 60-some-odd minutes in this game. Did some good things, linked a little bit as... The, the most advanced central midfielder in a midfield three. He had some good touches. He also had some heavy touches. And, and that's why I say it's it's less for what we saw on the field. It, it kind of looked like Georgie was playing his first competitive game in months after moving from Montreal to the Netherlands. And, and Montreal season ended, you know, a, a decent stretch before the World Cup started. So then you have that break, you have the World Cup break, and now you have finally games coming back thick and fast for Azed. But I like the fact that he was on the field. I think he will do very well in the Eredivisie. I believe that Mihailovic has pretty much all of the skills that he'll need to thrive there that maybe didn't start this past weekend. But like I said, getting getting on the field and at least showing that he has something to offer, I think is a, is a really good step for him. Joe, Joe did, you, did you watch any of this match? I did. Yeah, I watched like, a lot of it. So on paper, it shows that he's, I believe Danny DeVitt was suspended for this match, just going through the, the sure. who scored kind of box score. It shows him as in behind the central striker, which I didn't expect to see this early on. Is that where he was kind of playing as as things panned out in the match itself? Yeah, he had some freedom to roam, but he was essentially, as I saw it, a number 10, or or at least the most advanced of those players. You mentioned the, the DeVitt. Uh, suspension there. That's key for Azad because he started a lot of games for them in central midfield. From what I understand, and I haven't seen a ton of the other central midfielders in Azad's team, Georgie maybe brings something a little bit different in that he's a little smoother on the ball. He's a little less aggressive defensively. So, th- so there could be some chopping and changing here of the midfield based on the opponent, based off of form, all of that stuff. Uh, I don't know exactly how the minutes are going to break down between Mihailovic and the other players in this team. But again, like I said, regardless of what the situation is around Georgie, still, I think, a very good sign that he's playing and showed some things on the field this weekend. Uh, So I I think we're all going to go with a thumbs up to Georgie Mihailovic. But I'm saying thumbs down, uh, final one for me, for Scotland not being able to deal with rain, Graham. What's this about (laughs) Dumbarton being unprepared? I'm confused. What a plot twist. I mean, if there's any country in the world that should be able to deal with rain, it's, it's ours. But yeah, thumbs down to the Dumbarton groundsman who somehow didn't notice the pitch was waterlogged until I had left the house to travel to, to the match. There is a video on, on, on the TSS Plus Patreon of the shortest away day in history where basically I, I got to the pie shop and turned back around, which, to be honest, is my daily routine most days anyway. But But nonetheless, yeah, the only match in all of Scotland postponed that was not what I was hoping for on my Saturday afternoon. 
Is your uh, go-to pie shop, is, is there a pun in the title or is it just pretty straightforward and no nonsense? <laughs> like more than meets the pie or something See, like that? how easily that came to you tells me that's the name of the store. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. But I, I think there's maybe more to eat, more than meets the, pie, meets the pie in Dunfermline or something like that. Yeah, that did come to me very easily, it which really makes did. me think it is a real pie shop. Uh, actually, actual question. Looking at the table uh, for... Uh, the Scottish Championship, I believe it is. Uh, or no, 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 not the championship. But like, how, how is it divided? Because I see like Stirling Abbey and then Dumbarton, then a line. East Fife, Sten, House Muir, then a line. So is like the playoff one versus two and whoever wins, wins? No. So I, I'm not sure what table you're looking at, but Dumbarton goes, or whoever finishes first, hopefully it'll be Albion. Mm-hmm. We go, they go straight up. Okay. And then two, three, and four go into the playoffs with the team that finishes 11th from the team above, uh, from the league above. I gotcha. So, okay, okay. Yeah, so yes. so it's playoffs at the moment is looking likely, but we're only four points behind. There's a, you'll see then that table. There's a divide between Dumbarton and us in the rest of the league. It, so it's it between two teams. Like you have a plus seventeen goal difference, and everyone else is like six or negative. So I I, I feel like it should That's be because they don't have Kai Fotheringham. That's the difference right there. That's the difference right there. And then Joe <laughs> Felix is or excuse me, uh Rafael Leao. Maybe Joe Felix is a backup too. We get you an all-star team sure. in Scotland. Uh but gentlemen, on that rambling note, uh, I think we have done some weekend reviewing. We talked Spain, we talked uh, Italy, we talked FA Cup, and a little bit of Scotland too, and a little bit of the Netherlands in there. Uh, we will be back with much more uh, content this week. Many more shows still to come for now. Joe Lowry, thank you for your thumbs up, both or your thumbs both up and down. There we go. Got there eventually. Yeah, <laughs> right back at you, Taylor. Uh, Graham, thank you as well, my friend. Thank you, Taylor, and to your thumbs as well. <laughs> Appreciated. Listeners, thank you for having thumbs if you have them, uh, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.